Thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me, you've come to hear the podcast and be blessed. I want to share with you this vision the Lord gave me uh, in November 2015 that he continues to remind me of when I'm in prayer. And it's a vision of this city, you know, kind of praying and interceding over the city. And the vision I had was us us standing on a hill, um, maybe, I, I don't know which hill, maybe Carlton Hill or something, and I was watching, I was looking over the city, particularly the old town, but over the city, the whole city. And uh, as I was praying for the city, I had this vision of, this is in, in my mind's eye, not in the physical, but I had a vision of the river of God, the river of life flowing through the city. Like, a, like, a, like the city was being flooded with God. The water was you know, running through the streets like channels and like big waves and the movement of the water was phenomenal. And not only that, I felt like the Lord was saying, even streets and lanes that you can't see, that are spiritual streets and lanes, I'm flowing my water of life through those places, through the unseen places, I'm bringing the life of God and the water of God to those places. And every time I go to pray and intercede for the city, often this is the image that God brings back to me because I know that he is the answer for this city. And I know that what he wants to do in this city has not yet been accomplished. I know that we are, the church in this city is in a season of retaking ground. It is promised land and we are retaking ground. And that is not, that's not token. That's a spiritual thing that is happening. He's causing the church to unite in a fresh and new way. And old divisions that were once present in the church are diminishing because you know the scripture where there's unity, God commands a blessing. So he is preparing us and taking us as a people into a season of preparation. We are in a season of preparation for a mighty move of the power of God. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Do you believe it? He has plans to do things that we have never seen before in this city. Old men will dream dreams, have prophetic dreams. Young men and women will prophesy, speak. You know, God said at the very start, let there be light. He used his word for creative purposes. And that is what the church will do when young men and women, old men and women, bring words to their lips and prophesy. He will bring a move of power in this city. And the lives and the hearts in the city will never be the same. We'll see, you know, the seminary school and the university reclaim a place of authority. We will see in in government decisions that are made that are honouring and right before the Lord. We'll see in business 
People giving generously who are able to the poor and needy. A new level of that, even in the corporate sector. A real push into the ways of God, even if they don't understand what that is. We will see prayer meetings that go on for days and days and days. And the power of God pouring out on people. Come on, this is, this is not... This is possible. This is possible. The first time I ever spoke in the language of tongues, I was a teenager. And I had been at a prayer meeting in a church. There was this season in my life where I went to church as much as I could, like three times a day if I could, because I love the house of God, still, still do. It's like my life's great love is the house of God and building the house of God. So I went to a church on the other side of my city about an hour away that I've never been to before or after. And there was a speaker whose name I cannot remember and a band I have no idea where they came from and probably 200 young people in their teenage years who were there just earnestly crying out to the Lord. And I'd been really desiring the gift of tongues because I'd seen it start to unfold in my peers and I was really hungry for the things of God. Also, I was in the 90s, so there was this thing called the Toronto Blessing happening. I don't know if that was a thing over here. <laughs> so like, God was doing amazing moves. I remember my, my youth leader said to me, one day she was praying, she said, don't worry if you fall over. I'm like, what are you talking about? I had no context of anything. So I didn't anyway, but that's fine. But I was hungry, hungry, hungry for the things of God. And so in the prayer meeting, just open worship similar to what we just had, and the gift came on me, and I started to speak in this new language. And I thought, this is epic. This is the bomb. This is the, this is the cool beans. This is amazing. And I loved it. And at the end of the meeting, I was like radiant with joy, radiant with joy. And my, young, my younger sister is four years junior to me. We went for a walk together and I was super pumped. And that evening, uh, as we took a walk, probably at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, just around the car park of the church we're in, um, she said to me, I think I need Jesus. And I went, probably, that's, that's probably right, could probably do with him, he's pretty amazing. And there, after this youth meeting, just her and I, where God had moved powerfully in my life, I led her to the Lord. I led her to the Lord. We, we prayed a prayer together, and she made a decision to start following Jesus. So what I learned in that moment was about the power of God being released for the purpose of the accomplishment of his will. For me, immediately and forevermore, there became a connection between accessing and moving in the power of God and the accomplishment of his will, which is good, right? That seems to be the, the, the flow in the things of heaven. I also have this situation in my life. Some of you would journey, have journeyed, are journeying with me through it. And I've shared the, the story. I'll go into it because it's kind of a big part of my life. It's a health issue that I have that uh, I'm believing for breakthrough. I'm believing for the power of God. 
I haven't seen it yet. When I, when I was younger, when I was a child, I had some issues with my eyesight. It's a congenital issue. There's a lack of pigmentation in my eyesight. It's called ocular albinism for the people amongst us. It means that, you know, like an albino person, it's like that, but only in my eyeballs. So it just means that the light is very offensive to me and it's like a poorly pixelated um, photograph. Can't get clarity on things. Because it's genetic, nothing can be done to fix it. So when I was probably young, about four or five, it became apparent, had a lazy eye, had an eye patch. Like, you know, sometimes these health issues can become kind of dominant in your life. So this was like a dominant health issue for me. Always had to, or could rarely see the school board when I was in school. Was so embarrassed about it. You know, my, my dad would always say to me, Lisa, you're not looking at me with two eyes. And, you know, like all these things clouded around my mind. And I went to see specialists all the time. I had eye exams with things, probes on my eyeballs and on my brain and all these different things. And uh, when I was about six, I went to a specialist who said, you'll never drive, you'll never, she'll, well, she'll never be able to drive. And as a young person, that blows, like that's a terrible prognosis. So I, you know, I kind of dismissed it and carried on. And when I hit about 15, 16, where all of my friends started getting their license, I became deeply like this, you know, that sometimes people talk about the word being spoken over you. This was a really, it was a stronghold in my life because I, I couldn't shake myself of this word you'll never drive. And it's not about my brain, it's sharp as a tack, but, you know, as you can tell by my coolness. But I could never... Anyway, I went to see the exam and I, I passed the eyesight test. So I was like, well, actually, I delayed it for a few years because I was afraid. But then I ended up, and so I passed it. And I thought, this is amazing. Because I had prayed and I had laboured in prayer over a few issues in my life. I have really laboured in prayer for healing. I've had visions. The Lord has given me visions of healing. He's spoken words to me about healing, which in my brain, incidentally, if you have a genetic issue, how the heck can God do healing if it's a genetic issue? So in my brain, I'm trying to work it out. But I believe in the power, the healing power of God to do something miraculous. And I was really, it was so huge in my life. Then I moved to Scotland. And, uh, and I was like, cool, this is going to be amazing. We bought a car, a Vectra. It was amazing. I was driving around on my Australian license for a while. And then I went to the optometrist here, and they said, you, did, how did you get here today? I drove my car. Mm, you probably shouldn't be driving. What do you mean? You, you don't meet the driving standard to drive here in the country. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Or what options do I have? You don't have any options. You shouldn't be driving. You can't drive any longer. And this huge weight, this giant that I had gone to war with, really, really wrestled with, landed on me. And I was calling people. I went, you know, started this whole sequence of things. And I go to God and I'm like, God, I thought we'd had breakthrough here. I thought I'd seen your power demonstrated here. I've, I have a word from you about healing in this area. So what's going on, God? Really, what's going on? 
And I just feel in my spirit, keep believing. Keep believing for a miracle. So I'm in the middle of a journey toward a miracle, facing a giant. I am wrestling a giant. And I've seen the provision of God over that area. But I will tell you this, right? The point is this. I, I, I will be honest with you. This issue affects my understanding of how the power of God works because I've wrestled with it. And so this is an, an instance where my experience is of limited value because it's not the full truth, right? I've shared three illustrations. I've shared an, an image of the river of God, which I believe is prophetic over this city. And it's, it's my experience. I've seen it in my mind. And it's of value, but it's not the fullness of what God wants to do in the city. And I've shared an experience about the power of God falling powerfully on me. And then seeing something amazing, a miraculous work of someone turning to Jesus after that. But that's not the fullness of what the purpose of the power of God is. It's my experience. And I've shared my story about a struggle that I've had that I continue to have in my life. But that's not the fullness of the story. It's just my experience. So what I want to say to you is, your experience is helpful, but it's not full. It's partial. And as we, as believers, we encourage each other with stories, with our testimony. But we cannot be a church that relies on our experience of God to determine our faith for the power and the moves of God. I don't want anyone to catch my limitations because of the power of God is not limited to my story. He is going to do a mighty work. So where do I go? You know where I go. I go to the Word. I don't want a half-baked description of God when I can plunge in myself and get the life of God alive inside of me. You know, Romans says... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what it means. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. What that means is my story is helpful, but it's, it's not the truth. Normality, what is normal in our society is helpful, but if it's not consistent with the Word of God, then that's an area that we need transformation. Can't live out of experience where experience is not the reality of the truth of God. The power of God. Mark, or in the story of Mark, I love this story, uh, in chapter 5. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time. That's like literally a long time. Iron deficiency, I'm just thinking there, but anyway, that's side, side note. Under the care of many doctors, uh, she had suffered a great deal uh, under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she just thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. I love that audacity, that boldness that convictedness, that faith. She'd heard about him 
But she said, I want to I know that for myself. She didn't live out of someone else's story. She went and reached hold of the truth. It was her inspiration, but it wasn't the determiner of her faith. She heard about it, and then she said, well, I'm going to go for it, press through the crowd. If only I can just touch it, then I'll be healed. At once, Jesus realized that power, dynamic, a dynamic force had left him, had gone out for him, and he turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? You probably know this story. And then his disciples said back to him, you see, every, you are in a crowd, dude. Everybody's pushing against you. Probably, you know, a crushing hazard right here. And yet you ask, who touched me? And Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened, so this immediate transfer of power from God to her by access through her faith and her courage and her boldness, she came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So this is a story that I can build faith on because this is truth. My experience is partial, but this is truth. So what is a firm foundation for me to understand the workings of the power of God? It's here. It's here. It's with faith. It's with boldness. It's with perseverance. It's overcoming the suffering. It's not in spite of the suffering. It's overcoming the suffering. Let's look at this other story, Matthew 13, 53 to 58. Jesus had, when Jesus had finished the parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. So they hadn't heard about Jesus. They actually watched him. So it's not just by virtue of what they're hearing, like this other woman. They had seen him, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these, this miraculous power? So they recognized the power of God through the actions of Jesus. They asked, is this not the carpenter's son? So immediately, their experience of God starts being translated through their paradigm, through their experience. I know this man. I grew up with this man. He's He's Joseph's son. He's Joe's son. I know who he is. So immediately reducing the power of God because they're relying not on the truth but on their experience. Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't, he, isn't his mother's name Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? And where did this man get all these things? And they took offence at him. So their experience robbed them of the power of God. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honour except in his own town and in his own home. And in verse 58, he could do not many miracles there because of their faith. This tells me that the lens that we view how God operates seriously matters. Imagine I'm carrying with me a debit card to a bank account with millions and millions and millions of pounds. The power of God readily available to me in my day-to-day -day life, which we have in Jesus, right? And I live my life through, I have the pin, I have everything I need, right, to access, make significant purchases, 
capital investments in my faith, but I live my life understanding the power of God like a tap system where I say, at any time, I can tap my card, see 30 pounds worth of power at any given time, and I, I do my life limiting my access to the power of God by tapping it instead of using my chip and pin. We have a chip and pin. We don't need to tap. We have a limitless resource of heaven's power at our disposal. We do not need to limit it through chip and pin. In your life, let's go personal. Have you got areas of your life where you are saying something akin to, isn't this the way it should be? Isn't this my experience so far? Where is it? Right now in this room, I really believe that God is going to bring to mind areas in your life where you are reducing the possibility for the power of God to be released. What is it in your life? Just like the town said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this, for me, a health issue? Isn't this congenital? Isn't there no way, you know? But no, this is, if I read the scriptures, I know that he can do miraculous. He opened the eyes of blind people. I don't know how they were blind. He opened the eyes of blind people. He is a miracle worker. What miracle do you need to see today? in your life? How do you desire to see God move in your life? Really, how do you see, what is your appetite for the power of God? What is the thing that you crave that you would spend everything and press through a crowd just to get a touch? What is it that you desire? Let me ask you over this city or over your hometown, What do you really see when you allow your mind to be filled with faith instead of fear? Just this morning, Nathan said to me, oh, you should put this in your message, Lisa. I have a friend, uh, Melissa, Melissa Hines. She's a pastor at C3 Belconnen, a town where I come from. And she wasn't my pastor, but she was a pastor. This is her Instagram post from this morning. She has three children about the same age as mine. This week has been a biggie. That's Australian for a big week. On Tuesday, we had our routine appointments with a immunology clinic. Immunology clinic. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, that involves a day of assessment and tests for all three of our kids who are anaphylactic to multiple foods. First, like, eat something, seizure, pretty serious, EpiPen, get to hospital. It's like a, kind of a big deal. At any, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's their big giant, right, as a family. Three children with serious food allergies. This week, Isaiah asked for testing to be done because he felt God was healing him. Every year we've had tests and his results are always worse, not better. No chance of eating eggs, nuts or dairy. We have seen miracles in his life in regards to asthma after prayer. And not long ago, someone else, one of the pastors, prayed for him and gave him some wise counsel to hold his belief for healing in his heart, but to step out in the practical as well. Tuesday morning, Isaiah woke up after a rough night and said, Mum, I've been praying all night and I believe I'm getting better. So 
plus a little seed of faith, right? The, oh, so the first picture is one of his dad praying for him before the appointment. As parents, we were so nervous for him. For 14 years, we've listened to one bad report after another, an illness that is, has been progressively getting worse, a diet that has been progressively getting more restrictive. And yet, this week, he went into his appointment with faith far more than the husband or herself, to be honest. On Friday, we got the good news that his blood, blood test showed for the first time an improvement. In 14 years, the first test to ever show an improvement. Not a little one, but one that means he'll probably be eating eggs and nuts in the next couple of years. This is, this is like you'd even be in a room with a nut and you need to go to hospital kind of thing. This was never ever meant to happen. All the advice we've got is that it was not going to get better and it's too late to grow out of it. So this is a, such a shock. I can only give God the glory. Even dairy has turned around. This is Isaiah's story now, is one of, a, of journey and healing that will impact many others. I'm so grateful and can't wait to post more pictures of him scoffing an egg with, uh, scoffing a cake with egg and dairy. I love this, because this is a story that builds my faith. It says God can turn around things. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able to do, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish indefinitely more than we ask or think. He is able in his mighty power to accomplish more than we would ask or think. Jeez, that's an encouragement to me. Even more than I'm imagining is possible, he's preparing a way for. Even more than I can possibly ask for, he's preparing a way and he's capable of doing this. Faith, your faith is a muscle. You can build it. Your faith is a seed and you can grow it. Your faith is a story and you can share it. Your faith is active and you can choose it. Your faith is a gift and an inheritance. I love this scripture from 2 Timothy 1.7. Maybe you know it. God has not given us a spirit of fear. The opposite of faith, right? But a spirit of power, of dynamic heaven power. He's given you dynamic heaven power and love and of self-control, as some versions say, and a sound mind. So if you are feeling like you don't know how to access faith, He's actually given you through a gift of a sound mind. If you're not sure how to approach decision-making, he has given you the power of a, self, of a sound mind. That's good, right? All right, I've got... How do we, how do we get this power of God, right? Who wants more of it, right? Who wants more of the power of God? Who wants to, like, move beyond experience and, like, oh, that doesn't happen in Scotland and really move into the space of the power of God? I do. I really do. I want to see miracles. I want to see the move of God, the dynamic power of God. I want to see the dynamite, healing, deliverance, new life in Christ. I want to see that dynamite. I want to see it. I want to see it in this church. I want to see it in my own life. The Holy Spirit is the power. Let me tell you, spend time in the Holy Spirit. If you speak in tongues, speak in tongues. Just pray, put on worship music. 
immerse yourself in the presence of God. This power is like a source. It's like, a, it's like water. It's like air. You know, the scripture says in Acts, you, this is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all over the world and Samaria as well. That's a great place. Get people to lay hands on you. Just like transfer, laying on of hands, power, prayer. Get under it. If someone says, can I pray for you? Just nudge your shoulder forward like this. Sure. Because you're just like, if you've got something, I want it. If you can impart your power to me, if I can touch you, just like the lady touched the hem of Jesus' robe, and I can catch something, I don't want my pride to get in the way of that. I want to grab that thing. Someone says, can I pray for you? Always say yes. Say yes. Say, just put your hand on my shoulder or my back or somewhere discreet. You are the instrument. Luke 9.1, when Jesus called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. This is the same power that is available to us. Awesome. The key barrier, you know the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The key limiter is not our, our faith is the vehicle, right? That we can grow because we can actually grow our faith. But it's our position of humility that allows us to see our working of God. I, I watched this show because I like Netflix. It was called Instant Hotel. And it was like a kind of Airbnb-esque thing where there was two groups, about 10 couples, and they all went around to each other's homes that were listed on Airbnb or something similar and uh, spent a night there and then critiqued it. How was the linen? How was the environment? How was the back patio? How were the... How was the location to the city, the amenities, the entertainment, that kind of thing. It was pretty, it was great, you know, snooping in other people's homes, kind of a hobby, <laughs> a creepy hobby of mine. But uh, they had a few couples that were like, there was one in particular, it was uh, like a lady Pilates instructor and a guy, a surfing teacher or something like that, and they were pretty chilled and kind of healthy and uh, just like a nice, kind of wholesome, young, like early 20s couple. And uh, the group went to their home. And it was like, uh, it, was in a, it was an Australian show, but accessible over here if you want to follow it up. Um, it, it was this beautiful property on like five acres, nestled in the middle of the bush with a private access to the beach in Queensland, beautiful weather, huge outdoor living area, swimming pool, like a luxury. It was about sort of eight, around the 800 pounds a night kind of price tag. And uh, there was this, out of this, you know, you saw the contestants. It's a reality show. So how would they have afforded this? Isn't she a Pilates teacher? There's all this kind of like, who is this? Who is this? And then it came out. Actually, this is our mum and dad's property. It's our mum and dad's property. Like, oh, and then is that fair? Is that fair to do that? It sort of seems unfair because we've, you know, we bought our property. All this kind of like stuff that makes gripping television drama. And I think sometimes, this is the risk, if we receive a gift from our Father and we pretend that it's ours, then we're like those people parading something that is not ours. You know, we need to throw back and give the glory to God. Even if he bestows on us the ability to move in the Holy Spirit, unless we keep 
bouncing the glory back to him, that pride diminishes how we can continue to operate in that. We've got to say, oh, this is my dad's. This is my dad's house. This is my dad's gift. I'm just, yeah, yeah, no, it's no problem because I'm out in the open about it. This is not my own gift. I'm not moving in my own power because ultimately, if we do, we'll end up fabricating it because we know sort of what it feels like instead of living in the fresh manner of the things of God, to stay fresh, to stay receiving the shower of God, we've got to give him the glory. We've got to push it back to him. Jesus said to them in John 5, 19, he gave them this answer, Very truly I tell you, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Humility positions us for power. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul saying, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may, may rest on me. This morning, I want to encourage you, if you have an appetite for the things of God, approach him with faith. Approach him, use your experience, but don't limit your understanding of him to your experience. So dive into the word. It is the source of truth. Build your faith on a firm foundation. Approach God with healing. Really believe for something miraculous to happen. Let's stand together this morning. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray for you to see something change in your life. So let's just quickly stretch out our hands. Heavenly Father, right now, bring your power, God, over your people. Just as in Acts, God, we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall for the power of God to fall so that we can see miraculous things happen for your glory, God. Right now, God, power of God, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you, is accessible to you. It's not for somebody else. It is for you. The power of God this morning is for you to use.